Hey, hey, are we on? Is this on? Smells oh, good. It does. It's fantastic. Like mom's cinnamon rolls. What are we going to do about our raises now, Jerem? I'm not stitious. I don't understand recruiting, but I understand what five star means. Okay? I got three words for you. You like that? <laughs> this is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Interviews and insight from this week in Cougar Sports. Every Saturday, only on BYU Radio. To lead off, here's the double coverage interview of the week. Now we're really going to make it a party, and it's been too long. Blaine Fowler, dual threat analyst, back in studio to talk some BYU basketball. Blaine, welcome to the oh, show. Blaine. It's good to be. I mean, it's been too long because we've had to you know, go to Hawaii and do all of this stuff, but now we're, we're back together. We're, we're back. back together. The band is go. back Let's together. Go. We've been talking moral victories for BYU basketball. Yay. Both Jeremy and I think that Last night's result, all things considered, would qualify as a moral victory. Where do you stand in that conversation? So I don't use I don't like the term moral victory. So so because it's not a victory, but I do believe there are losses that don't hurt you. Like losing to San Diego State at the time, we didn't know that that's not a bad loss. It, it's a loss that doesn't hurt you um, in terms of the goals you have. And the goal for this BYU team is they want to get to the NCAA tournament. And, and you know, you can do that one of two ways. You either win the conference tournament, which the Zags have owned, and there isn't any indication that they're not going to own it again this year, as good as they've been defensively as, I, as I've seen them. So, so then you go, hey, can this league get two or three bids? I, th- I believe they can. I, th- I think St. Mary's, BYU, and, and the Zags right now all look like NCAA tournament teams if things play out the way they should. Um, so now you look at it and you go, is that a devastating loss um, because it hurts their NCAA at-large tournament hopes and, and goal? And I don't think it has any impact on it at all. Like, there are going to be wins that BYU has this season that are actually worse than that loss when it comes to their net. Yeah, that. yeah, yeah, totally. When you, when you, if you play a 300-plus team that and win – it's almost worse that you played them in one than to lose to St. Mary's on the road in overtime. Tomorrow, that's the case. Yeah, with Portland. Right. So I, yeah. so I say, um, I don't believe in moral victories, but I think that that's an okay loss. That it's a loss that doesn't hurt um, BYU from getting the goal that they want, and that is to return to the NCAA tournament. And, and I, I was really, really pleased with the way they played on short notice without Yoli. So and let's talk about that. That's the big story now. Is Yoli Childs is out? We don't know exactly for how long. Mark Pope mentioned a week or two. Um, you people don't really know this, but uh, you're you're in the medical field in your mm-hmm. day job, and uh, you know a lot about a, a lot of these things. What do you think of a, a compound dislocation? You're you're a pseudo doctor for yeah. BYU. So so I've seen a lot of them. So um, I'm in the orthopedic business. That's what I actually do when I'm not with you guys. Um, so what I don't I don't know enough about it to know that if he's got a bone fragment or if he pulled some ligament off or tendon away from the bone. If it's just a simple compound, all compound means or open means is that it broke through the skin. If it's a simple dislocation and they were able to reduce it and get it back in, now it's just managing the swelling and getting the range of motion back and getting that joint to tighten back up. It's, it's not as scary as it sounds if it's really, really simple. I, I haven't talked to the surgeons and, and seen those guys or talked to Yoli to find out the complications associated with that, but... It sounds really scary. Hey, I dislocated my finger and it broke through the skin. It's actually not as scary as you think it is just because it broke through the skin. Um, there's maybe a little bit of extra time, healing time, if they had to suture that skin back up. And that's going to make the skin feel tight and it'll be slower to get that range of motion back. But a simple dislocation, 
I don't want to make I don't want to make light of that. I don't want to make light of it, but it's <laughs> but but it's it's not as scary as it as it sounds, and it'll all depend on how quickly he can get that range of motion back and get the swelling to go down. Um, as long as he doesn't have other complicating issues with it. Spencer, put your hand over there. Blaine will demonstrate. Hey, you this. guys, I was I was doing a game in Dayton <laughs> two years ago, and it was raining when I went to bed after the game. And I came out in the morning, and I thought, man, it just rained all night. What I didn't know is that it turned into ice. Oh, boy. And I came and I stepped off out in front of the Marriott. And oh I boy. stepped off and I, did, I looked like a cartoon character. Like my feet flew up in the air and I put my hand back behind oh. me. And it hit the edge of the sidewalk and this finger went straight up that way <laughs> and then that way. It was a Z. I had a, Embiid, I had a Z finger. And I thought, oh, this isn't good. But I do not have time to go to the hospital right now because I'm going to miss my flight. So I just grabbed it, pulled it out, reduced it, drove to the airport, and got on the plane. Now, the problem with that was is it started to swell up. And by the time we taxied out, like I was beads of sweat running down my face. I was just – it was just – I could feel every beat of my heart in my finger. And uh, so – and it's actually this one that's all crooked that you can see. And I probably should have had maybe then, then put a pin in it to straighten it out. But, but it, because I think I probably had a fracture along with it because there is a little bone fragment there. But even with a bone fragment, whatever. So, ladies and gentlemen, so, play Fowler. So, play Fowler. The, here's whatever. the thing I wish that this was the finger that Yoli hurt. I wish it was the p- pinky finger on his non-shooting hand. On his left hand? hand. Yeah. I wish it was this because it's it's the index finger on a shooting hand. That that makes it a little That's more complicated. very important, yeah. Yeah, because. Um, it's a stabilizing. You know, we always talk about with quarterbacks, that's the most, the thumb and the index finger. We went through this with Zach, right? Well, with the shooter, your index finger is, that gives you rotation on the ball. You know, you've, you know, you've most really good shooters finish, finish here, and that finger is, is one that spreads out and gives you stability with the basketball and gives you a good rotation. And so it's got to be feeling good. He can't be all hurting. Um, but, but, but I do think it's maybe when people hear open, like it broke through the skin, he dislocated it. It's not as concerning as maybe that sounds. Like I, I would not be surprised for him to be back by the St. Mary's game. That, hey, that would be great, and that's what we were talking about. Is kind and of that's that, when they would really like to have him back. Right, sure. That, that's the key. And, so, and, and, here, and here's the key to that. So, so Randy Bennett's a really good basketball coach. As soon as he realizes that Yoli's not playing, now they can go and they can defend the perimeter like crazy. And they're, and they're saying, you know what? If Colby Lee hurts us inside, we're not doubling him. And and even and even if Jake Toulson goes down in there and starts posting us up and scoring, we're not doubling him either. We're going to plaster three-point shooters. We're not giving them good looks. Man, BYU had to look for every three. They had yes. so few good looks that season they didn't take low, that many. Season low, six makes. Yeah. Right. And so, so you can do that if Yoli's not playing. If Yoli's playing, you can't play the defense St. Mary's played last night. You have to go, okay, we're going to have to come from different spots. We're going to have to double-team him. If you play the same defense St. Mary's played last night when Yoli's playing, Yoli gets 40. But you don't play that defense when Yoli's playing. And so there's going to be more open shooters if Yoli's in the game. They'll get better looks than they did. Hey, Randy's a great coach. He knows what they had. And so you adjust your defense accordingly. BYU did a nice job of going, Ugh. We're not getting open looks. We need to go inside, and we need to play a little differently than we normally play. And you saw a lot of mid range. Yeah, a lot of mid range shots. At least they recognized after they missed a lot of contested shots early, they they settled in and said, "Okay, we got to take what the defense gives. Let's get into the mid range game. Let's post up Jake Toulson. Let's even get to Colby and and let him go four for four or whatever he was right." Mm -hmm. And so BYU adjusted well and stayed in the game. The thing that was most impressive to me was. 
they held the number one three-point shooting team in the country to 32 or 33 percent. 32 percent. Yeah. Nine of 28. Yeah, and that that is what they haven't done well against St. Mary's in years past. That's why they stayed in the ballgame. They also forced a team to turn the ball over 16 times that usually is around 10. Yep. With a really, really good elite point guard, they turned the ball over 16 times. That's on the road. So St. Mary's did that in, in their home. So – you know, I think that BYU, even if they didn't have Yoli back when they came back, at home, they know how to play without Yoli. It was a little bit of an adjustment because they've been playing with him, but they went back by the second half of that game to the way they played without him before. They're capable of being St. Mary's at home without Yoli. With Yoli at home, it creates a completely different matchup problem for St. Mary's, and and you hope you have him back because that, that makes them, you know, it's a, it's a – much easier game plan for BYU if Yoli's in the game. Sure. Blaine Fowler with us on BYU Sports Nation. Pop that pinky back into place and answer this question. Yeah, no problem. Is BYU the second best team in the West Coast Conference right now? It's, it, so it's a, hard, it's a hard thing to say. Um, they're, they're tied with St. Mary's in the league standings because St. Mary's lost that four-overtime game at Pacific. Um, if, if With Yoli Childs, I think they create mismatch problems with St. Mary's. I think they're better than St. Mary's. With, with Yoli Childs in the lineup. Um, BYU's not real deep this year because of the guys they have sitting. You know, without Gavin Baxter, without Wyatt, without um, Lowell, Richard, without Richard. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're just not, a, especially up front, they're not deep. And, and so BYU's not a very deep team. So when they have one guy missing, it's a pretty big drop off. Um, St. Mary's is a little bit deeper basketball team. I'm saying with, with Yoli healthy, from a talent perspective, and, and uh, they're the second best team in the league. With Yoli not healthy, they're still battling 2-3, two, 2-3, three, two, three, two, three. They proved that last night. Right? Because remember, St. Mary's is missing a guy, too. He's not Yoli Child's right. level of a guy, but they're, they're missing a big. Um, so I would say you could, make a, you could make a point that they're even with St. Mary's without Yoli. And with Yoli, I would say, um, I, it, you know, I, I yeah. bet on, on BYU. Last night. On a, on a neutral proved. floor. Last night proved that. On a neutral floor yeah. with Yoli, I think BYU's a better team right now. But they got to get Yoli back. They don't have him right now. Take Jordan Ford off St. Mary's. What are they? Oh, boy. You know what I mean? So, the so, best no, player? Like, like literally. That's, that's, yeah. a good, that's a good comparison, even though they play different positions. Because if St. Mary's do doesn't have Jordan Ford, Whoa. Or, you completely defend them differently. Yes. You have a completely different game plan yes. to defend St. Mary's without him. That's how good he is. You have to adjust your game plan for him. He's an unbelievable penetrator, and he'll just light you up from distance. So you, you try to choose with him. I'm going to play off him so he can't blow by me. Then he just knocks down a three. He did or, that a couple times. I'm going to push up on him. <laughs> he just goes right by it, and he's a great distributor. Well, if you don't have that in the game, that's huge. With Yoli Childs, you can't not double-team him, or he's going to score 30-plus. So you have to game plan for Ford. You have to game plan when you're when you're playing against Yoli Childs. That's that's a good equivalent thing. If that St. Mary's without Ford cannot beat BYU. Yeah. Our in-house resident surgeon Blaine Fowler bringing it on BYU Sports Station. Great stuff, man. Thanks <laughs> for coming in. Good to see in. you guys. Thanks, Blaine. That was one of our favorite interviews this week. You're listening to the best of BYU Sports Nation. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. It is time to play Big Deal, No Deal. Big Deal. 
No deal. Presented by BYU Food to Go, the MVP of your next event, Ben Bagley. Always a big deal when he's on the show. What do you got for us? Well, thank you, Spencer, but we'll start here instead. Big deal, no deal. BYU getting St. Mary's coming off a overtime thrilling loss. Jason, the mic is yours. Uh, I will say it's a big deal. Look, I, I don't want St. Mary's to have any added anything facing BYU. You know they're not feeling great. They're upset. They're looking to bounce back. They're coming back home against a team they've had success against. I think it's a big deal they lost that game. Yes, it's a big deal. Just go back one year when St. Mary's lost to San Francisco the game before they played BYU. And with a woke Jim and Moraga beat BYU by 22. No, I kiddingly use that word, but seriously, it, it woke them up, and, yeah. and they paid it off. Next. Big deal, no deal. Andy Katz ranks the WCC as the seventh toughest conference in the nation. This is a big deal, Jason. I'm going first because okay. I feel strongly about this. Outside of the Power Six conferences, the West Coast Conference is the next toughest conference. That's ahead of the American. That's ahead of the Mountain West. WCC being at number seven, heck, in the top ten at any place, I think is good for the conference. At number seven? Wow. Is that because Gonzaga struggled in their first two games and because BYU and St. Mary's, Andy Katz thinks, makes it a three-bid league? Probably. But, hey, number seven? I'd, I'd take anywhere in the top ten. Yeah, I, I don't know how you don't say it's a big deal when you're ranked that high. And, look, anytime you have the possibility of three teams from your conference going to the NCAA tournament, you're a fantastic basketball league. So, yeah, I think it's a big deal. That's ahead of the Atlantic 10 as well. Yeah. Okay, ahead of the American, the A-10, and the Mountain West? You bet. Next. Big deal, no deal. Saints halftime reporter, or pre-post host, Andy, or Chris, Christian Garrick tells us yesterday on BU Sports Nation, Taysom Hill is a priority for the Saints. You take this one again. Um, okay, so as far as Taysom being a priority in New Orleans, we know. So that, that's no deal. That's, that's not news. Now, what is news to me is how much, of a Taysom is, how much of Taysom is a priority if he's the backup quarterback, Jason. We also learned in that interview that Teddy Bridgewater, who made a name for himself during that five-game win streak yeah. for New Orleans when Drew Brees was out, has now upped his market value and could very well end up somewhere else in the offseason. You would expect that to happen. Yeah, why would, why would a team not say, hey, Teddy Bridgewater, come be the quarterback, come be the quarterback right. of our team? Which then puts Taysom in an interesting situation. If he's the backup quarterback, do they pull back some of what Taysom Hill does? To me, that's the bigger deal is where Taysom Hill is going to land in the quarterback depth chart if Teddy Bridgewater leaves New Look, Orleans. Look, the New Orleans Saints cannot bring Taysom Hill back and then have him on the bench as the backup quarterback. You have already set the precedence for how you use Taysom Hill and how he is most effective. I think this is a big deal because I think what this tells you, number one, is with all of the other stuff with Teddy Bridgewater, they view him as Drew Brees' backup and potentially the heir apparent in New Orleans. But I also think it's a big deal because, like I said, you, you can't – Put him out on the field in all of the, the different spots you did. See how successful he was. What, you know, get the, the, uh, the appetite from the fans up and going. And then say, oh, yeah, now he's our backup. We're just going to have – you can't do that. So I think that bodes well for Taysom 
So I say it's a big deal. Yeah, there's 0% chance that he leaves New Orleans. That is not happening. They would be crazy yes. to let him and go. And they're crazy if they don't continue to use him like they sure, have. Sure. So uh, do you go and get another quarterback? Even though you make Taysom the second stringer, let him do his thing. If he gets hurt, then you have another reliable quarterback in that third spot. Oh, but I mean, I mean, every, yeah, every, every NFL team has three quarterbacks. Now, they may go get one that's a little more competent than most third string quarterbacks in the NFL. But yeah, you, you, Taysom is the guy that they want to back up Drew Brees. Next. Last one. Big deal, no deal. Four former Cougars still alive in the NFL playoffs. You go first. Uh, it's a big deal because one of those four is with my eventual Super Bowl champion, Kansas City Chiefs. That would be Daniel Sorensen. Oh, and Andy Reid, you know, the big man. My BFF. I have a signed picture of my office. The biggest deal in all of this is that not that the number is four, but that it's not higher, Jason. I thought it would be higher because think about who's not in the playoffs now. Kyle Van Noy and the Patriots, yeah. ousted. Taysom Hill and the Saints, ousted. Uh, did anybody think that those two would not, at least one of the two, would be into the second round? This is crazy. So the biggest deal to me here is that there is no Kyle Van Noy and there is no Taysom Hill involved after the first wild card weekend. Between the two, the biggest surprise is no Kyle Van Noy. It's just you just expect, regardless of the scenario, that even more than the Saints, and we all expected them to move on too. But just the fact that it's the Patriots and you never see them lose, it's it's that's a bigger deal. But yeah, yeah, it's a big deal, and it and it's, it speaks positive for BYU. Of course, it's a big deal. The Patriots and the Saints were both three seeds in their respective conferences and had home games that lost to six seeds. That is crazy. But here we are. Good luck to Jamal Williams, Daniel Sorensen, Ziggy Ansah, and I'm leaving somebody else out. Fred uh, Warner. Fred Warner. Okay. The good news is there are no former Cougars on the Texans. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's true. Because they play the Chiefs, of course. It's always about <laughs> your Chiefs. By the way, my eight-year-old, his, his favorite team is the Chiefs. Yes! He just declared that By to the me. way, I should have my new Chiefs hat waiting for me at home when I get home today. Yep. Jax is on board. He just declared okay, it. Sweet. Okay, sweet. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. We are pleased to welcome the big man in the middle for BYU football, Kyrus Tonga, defensive lineman who is coming back to BYU for his senior season. Welcome, Kyrus. What's up, Kyrus? Hey, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. We're stoked to have you in studio, obviously, but stoked to have you uh, back at BYU. Uh, was this a tough decision for you? It was. It was, uh, it was hard for me, but... Uh... I'm happy with my decision, and I'm uh, excited for this upcoming season. What was tough about it? Uh, just everything that that uh, had a I had to balance out uh, with being able to play in the NFL or coming back to college. Um, it, it was hard, but uh, grateful for my my parents and coaches and teammates for being supportive, and um, I'm just happy to be here. Who gave you the best advice? The best advice. Probably my dad. Mm. Yeah. What did he say? Um, well, after yelling at me a little bit. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um, he just reminded me of why I came here and why I chose to, to be here at BYU and to get a degree and uh, and I have the opportunity. And that's why I'm here and to be able to finish out school and to to play one more year with, with the coaches who, uh, who've helped me a lot in my life and uh, to be here with the, the boys I came in here with. So it was, um, 
it's going to be fun. So, Okay, so obviously your dad's comments and thinking about your teammates and relationships, that all factored in. But tell me you wanted to score at least one more touchdown for BYU, <laughs> right? I hope. If that's what the, the future holds, then I'll, I'll be happy with that. Did you bargain with the coaches at all for anything like that? Uh, I remember I, I told Coach Clark and Coach Grimes I wanted to be like some <laughs> offensive package, like goal line or, or anything to get like a couple inches. Yeah. In addition to yeah. scrum package? Because you're already so, in that, right? Yeah, yeah, in addition. So um, they put me in scrum. Coach Lamb put me a fullback, and uh, it's been fun. It's, I love being on the offense, yes. side, so it's fun. When you have some leverage, you got to use it. So nicely done. Yeah. That's so, important. I appreciate it. That matters. You'll need to do that next year yes, when you're negotiating a contract. Yes. Right? Quite yeah. literally and figuratively, when you have leverage Leverage. Football, yeah, yeah, you yeah, utilize exactly. it. We don't know anything about that. Uh, you announced this on New Year's <laughs> Eve, and I told you during the break that you made my New Year very happy. And, in fact, I posted that on Twitter. All of Cougar Nation. Yeah. When exactly did you decide that you were coming back? Was it on New Year's Eve, or was it before that? It was a... Uh, it was it was it was a day before that, and um, it, that's a that was the day I was talking to Kalani and talked to my dad and my parents, um, and that's when I, I had a good sleep, woke up and just decided to announce it. But it was a uh, man, it was fun. It, like last year was fun, and I know this year is about to be even more fun. So, what went into the decision as it related to uh, your NFL prospects? Because if you're told you're a first rounder, like you're bouncing, right? So what what kind of uh, feedback did you get, and how will that play into what you hope to improve on this year? Yeah, um, there's a lot of a lot of scouts were were talking about how how raw how much of a raw talent I was, and that uh, they know talking with Coach Kalani and Coach Toyaki that uh, I've been playing uh, this this position for a uh, very limited of years since being at BYU. So um, they said it's a great opportunity for me to to, to come back. And to uh, to work on what I, I need to work on, and uh, to just to to show out. So let's dive into some of those things. What what specifically do you want to improve on in terms of skill set as a defensive lineman? I think just being able to to play like like not coming out basically, uh, being able to to work on uh, stamina and being out there uh, for long periods of time and not coming out when uh, when there's uh, crucial downs that I need to be on, uh, but. But even if that even if that happens, I, I trust my guys uh, to be able to to do the same thing as me. So, uh, but just being consistent in in everything I do on, on the field. Let's walk through that a little bit because sometimes there was this defensive line sort of line change, like in hockey, right? Three in, three out, or whatnot, um, to keep guys fresh and whatnot. Um, how how do you be able to stay uh, on the field for three downs? What's the key there? I guess um, just continue to to do cardio and. And lose weight. That's that's the name of the game, especially during the season where uh, we're going to all these hotels and they're feeding us nonstop, and it's hard to like refuse food, especially good food, especially in Hawaii and all that stuff. Amen it's, to uh, that. <laughs> just being able to just to be disciplined with with little things like that, and uh, it'll show on the field. So, listen, I love to eat too. Um, and you mentioned in in a video that we ran during the season that the night before a game, you said you just you just stack it on, right? That's, yeah. It's hard not to do that. It's, yeah, it's hard not to Especially do that. when it's free. Yeah. <laughs> and it's good. So. <laughs> yes, you want to give me all of this delicious food for free? And I'm supposed to turn it down? Yeah, yeah. wait a minute. <laughs> that is a significant challenge. Um, I know you have uh, target weight marks, things like that. So what, what are the goals in terms of there? Where, where would you like to be if you could pick and choose like what your target weight is? Um, 
Kalani, Kalani and them will, uh, we're, we're going to talk about it more like next week when uh, we start getting into practices. But uh, I, for myself, I want to be like 315, 310. And uh, I haven't done that since since I went on my mission. So, okay. So it's, it'll be good. I know it'll be, it'll be better for me. I've seen the differences just uh, this past season, just dropping the weight from the off season and being in there. And um, I know it'll just be better for me. In terms of what you did this year, what did you what did you love? What were you proud of that you, in terms of your improvement this season? I think just just being out there as much as I can. I know last year, uh, I there are some injuries I had and um, limited limited some games for me, and uh, just fighting through injuries and uh, just being out there with the boys and having fun, um, being there for my teammates was like the biggest step for me. Uh, just knowing that I can be relied on. And uh, I can rely on my teammates as well. So. Can we expect a different haircut of any kind? Are you, are you going with that flow, the the bleach blonde in the back? I don't know. I think uh, I have to cut. It's getting a little long. So okay. It might. I don't know. Something something special might happen. I don't know. Okay. We'll okay. Yeah, this is an ult- That's the ultimate tease. Something special might something happen special. with Tyrus Tonga's hair. <laughs> what is it? Two weeks removed from the season. How would you sum up BYU football in 2019? Um. Shoot, I think I think it was good, but it wasn't consistent. And uh, we know that as players and coaches, and that's something that we wanna we wanna continue to work on and being consistent and like, and especially with big games and games that we know we should have won, uh, things that we know we should have done. Um, and that's uh, going to 2020. We know what we need to do as as players and as coaches. So um, it's gonna be fun. So. When you look at the 2020 schedule, it's another challenging, good schedule, at, as I like to point out here. At Utah, Michigan State at home, at Arizona State, at Minnesota, who turned into a really good Big Ten team. And then uh, there's Missouri in there and Houston and Utah State and Boise State, San Diego State, Stanford. That's another good one. What comes to mind when you, when you look ahead uh, to the 2020 schedule? Just, just tough teams. And uh, we need to be a tough team as well and uh, just stay healthy. That's uh, We're hoping this. Hopefully we can stay healthy throughout the off season and during the season. I think that's a uh, it's unfortunate for uh, a lot of players who who we need that get hurt. And that's that's just that's just football. That's the name of uh, the game is staying healthy, and that's uh, something that we hopefully we can do for this just tough season. So now you mentioned that you were dealing with some injuries and some nicks and bruises throughout the season. How are you in relation to those? Oh, I'm good. I just uh, rehab. Just being able to to rehab and be disciplined with that, and not uh, skipping anything. It, it sucks going to rehab because it's you rather be with the the team, but um, you're putting yourself in a better position to to help. So it's a it's a little sacrifice that that we have to do, but it's it's good though. So you're in that now, you're saying? Huh? You're in that now, or are you good? Now? No, I'm good now. You're good sorry, now. Okay. Sorry. So walk us through what the schedule's been like this week. I, I think it was what Monday back to yeah. winter workouts and a yeah, lot of lifting. So right? We're starting with the. Just like getting into school, so we we kind of have this week off, but we don't. It's it's mandatory, but uh, we we have to go in, get our workouts in, uh, cardio. But next week will be like the official, um, like workout. So yeah, we'll be there and grinding hard. So. Voluntary, I always love that, right? Yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> Voluntary, but if you're not there, why weren't you there? Yeah. Uh, wait, what? <laughs> I know you're getting close to graduating as well. So what's the plan moving forward to uh, graduate and then? Maybe play your senior season with a much lighter schedule. Uh, just I just need to knock out these credits. It's uh, 
it's a it's full schedule. So uh, just being able to just stay on top of my grades, get the tutoring I need, and uh, just finish strong. So what's your major? Communications. Well, there. Well. Just three communications guys up here. Listen, Kairos got an A on the assignment he did on me. Oh, very nice. So that's great. You know, yeah, it was all you, brother. No, what it was uh, all you? Appreciate what, it. What track or emphasis? Uh, I think it's sports media. Nice. So, that's awesome. Yeah. That's great, man. I was going to offer up our help, but I don't know what compliance will allow. So you <laughs> yeah. just stick with your tutors, yeah. and we'll talk to a Trevor if you need any help. Uh, now, okay, on those lines, if you could do one other thing professionally besides play football, what would it be? Damn. Um, be a sports broadcaster. I don't okay, know. yeah, it's, it's not, not sure. that Come great. On, man. You just talk not... sports all day, and you know yeah. what? It's just boring. And actually, it's fr- it's, it's freaking it's really awesome. fun. Yeah. You're not yeah, going to get rich, awesome. Kyrus, but it's a lot of fun. Well, yeah, it's all good. <laughs> <laughs> Someone chuckled. Up. Hey, no, this is this is great and exciting. And oh, by the way, Matt Bushman is back as well. What did you I think know. of that? The I, two of you. I was happy for. I texted him right away uh, when I seen that he announced it. I was super happy for him. And um, man, that's that's big for for us as a team, especially for our offense. So we're excited to have him. And he was he announced before you, right? Just yes, before you, yeah. So yeah. did he say something like, "Well, join me"? No, he. We talked about it throughout the season, uh, like every single time we see each other. Like, hey, well, what's the deal? Like, uh, I think I might go. Like, they might stay. So uh, when he announced it, I was super happy for him. And um, I still at the time was thinking, I- I'm gonna go, and. Um, I, 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 he was, he's actually the first person. So after I told my, my parents and the coaches, he's actually the first person I told okay. I was going to stay. So, That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. And then we were the next, so that was great. Yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I, I envisioned Kalani Satake running and clicking his heels together when he, when he found out. I like that image of Coach Satake. Yeah. Kairos, so let's give you some BYU Sports Nation karma for your classes as you get into spring ball. Keep it up, man. And good yeah, luck. Appreciate it. Thank you. Sports media, love it. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. It is very obvious that social media loves Taysom Hill, specifically Mm -hmm. Twitter, where he was the number one trending topic worldwide. Unbelievable. Taysom Hill. Hill. Hashtag Taysom. Uh, We're going to give you the best of some of the biggest and brightest names and national pundits in regard to their tweets about Taysom Hill. I'll start, Jaron, with at Barstool Big Cat, the guy that's in charge of Barstool Sports. He said, uh, let Taysom Hill get every snap. Then one hour later, he tweeted, and then that happens. Drew Brees stinks. <laughs> Taysom Hill would have won the Saints this game. Incredible. Wow. That's quite the comment. Obviously, it's partially in jest saying Drew Brees stinks, but would more Taysom Hill have won the game for New Orleans? Drew Brees has not been great in the playoffs, question mark, the last couple of years, right? Yeah. He can't throw it downfield very far. He does have a Super Bowl victory in 2009. Right. It's been a while. Right. If you win one, you get a just – the uh, uh, rook card, the ace. Yeah. He's thrown more touchdown passes than any quarterback in the history of the game. Yeah, it's it's pretty impressive. It is, but, but he wasn't good. Enough. He didn't. He got beat by Kirk Cousins. Just but this is about Taysom Hill, right? Saturday. Pat McAfee, former outstanding NFL punter and hilarious personality at from at Pat McAfee show. Taysom Hill, best at 
football player of all time. Yeah, loves him some Taysom. Okay, then the Tim Tebow comparison. Okay. Uh, I don't like it. From uh, PFT commentator in Shannon Sharp. At Shannon Sharp, I envisioned Tim Tebow in a role similar to Taysom Mill once full-time QBing wasn't an option. I guess for T- Tim it was QB or nothing. At PFT Commentator, Taysom Mill is faster than Tebow, better passer than Tebow, more Christian than Tebow. Oh, snap. Who knows on that one? Whoa. Uh, better punt protector than Tebow. Only question is now, can he hit better than 179 in double-A? I put my Taysom, money on Taysom Hill. Taysom Hill, when he was with the Packers, would play in these charity softball games, and he would launch... Deep. Do you think Taysom Hill could hit better than Tebow? Yes. Better than 179 in double yes. baseball? Yes. Taysom Hill too. is a better Tebow. I do too. Yes. I think Taysom Hill would have a better batting average than if 179. If Taysom had played at Florida, he would have won a Heisman and two Natties yes. too. Yes. It would have happened. Hey, everybody's favorite friend, Skip Bayless, weighs in on the other side of Shannon Sharp. At Real Skip Bayless, I gave the Vikings no chance today. And in New Orleans, Cousins outplayed Breeze, who also got outplayed <laughs> by Taysom Hill. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> it's and true! Finally. He only threw one pass. From Two pass? Jim Rome, clones. Oh, my gosh. He says, I don't play favorites, but Taysom Hill is one of my favorite players ever. That was phenomenal. Incredible. Okay, out of those last two words. But Jim Rome so, what's not loves... Taysom Hill. Not what's, playing favorites? Uh, no, you, he is playing favorites. It's yeah, what, Taysom Hill. What's not to love about what Taysom? Okay, a couple of stats from uh, the playoff performance. We mentioned uh, he's the first player ever to have 50-plus pass yards, 25-plus receiving yards, 25-plus rushing yards in a game. Uh, at NFL Research, career playoff receiving touchdowns, notable players. Taysom Hill with two. Marvin Harrison with two. Marvin Harrison only had two. Calvin Johnson, two. DeAndre Hopkins, one. A.J. Green, one. Okay, how about that? Uh, How about that? Yeah. That, and from that, that's at incredible. Next Gen Stats. Taysom, th- this, this is the one that gets me with Drew Brees, okay? Taysom Hill's 50-yard completion to Deontay Harris traveled 54.7 yards in the air, longer than any Drew Brees completion by air distance over the past three seasons, including playoffs. Whoa. What? Okay. So Drew Brees doesn't have the arm strength he used to have. No, but he beats you with his mind at the line. Right. But he didn't bring, beat Kirk Cousins yesterday. <sighs> you like that. Uh, oh, did it you... was pretty cool to see Taysom Hill just blow up. Yeah, that, that, was, that was outstanding. That was fun. Now, speaking of Kirk Cousins, did you see his locker room speech to his team? Of course I did. Oh, it was outstanding. When he said, I got three words for you. You like that? I got three words for you. You like that? Oh, so yeah. good. I wish uh, he had said it like that. that in been in a weird way, I'm kind of happy for Kirk Cousins because he was the guy that couldn't win a big game, and he's taking some serious heat for that. Dude, when you have 12 men on the field, it's easy to beat the Saints. This is true. With the refs. Oh, According okay. to the Saints. According to the Saints. Yeah. The Saints are like, yeah. pass interference, not hey. again. Yeah, exactly. But, yeah, really fun. Glad my Seahawks won, too. Almost lost to a 40-year-old quarterback, but uh, got the win. Yeah. And now we're going to go lose to uh, the Packers. Yep. Yeah. Hopefully uh, Seahawks win, but I don't, I don't think it's happening. Joining us now in Studio B is the head coach of BYU Gymnastics, 23rd-ranked team in the country, he is an Olympic silver medalist, guard, young guard. Always nice to have a you guard? in Studio B. Thanks. Five-star recruit. Five, you were a five-star five recruit. Star recruit. <laughs> yes, sir. And you were also a broadcast major. I love talking about this every time you come into the studio. You're just better than us <laughs> in every way. Uh, the broadcasting, we could have held over you, but you even did that. Come on. Okay, if you say so. <laughs> Future broadcaster, Guard Young, after he finishes coaching gymnastics at some point. Okay, you open up with Nebraska, top 25 showdown, number 15 team coming in. What do you know about Nebraska right now? 
they're good, and they have a strong tradition in gymnastics. And so they have a brand-new head coach. Um, so that's – but she's been there. She's been like a, a assistant coach there for 20 years. So the you know, changing of the guard, so to speak, was really easy and seamless for them. Um, but uh, great tradition. You see them at nationals a lot. And uh, good powerhouse team. What a great way to start the new year off. 2020, huh? Fantastic. Yeah, go. Love Let's a go. Monday gymnastics meal. Let's go. Um, tell us about the 2020 edition of BYU. What do you expect from this group? Uh, yeah, we have a great senior class. Shannon Evans has been a, a big player for us for the last three years. So um, she's going to be great for us. And again, just all the way down, I, I actually did uh, the march out. And actually, we're playing a lot of sophomores this night. So I'm like, okay, that's surprising me that we're going to be playing a lot of sophomores. Sure, so. sure. I want to talk about the youth in just a moment, but you brought up Shannon Evans. She was the first All-American for BYU in an individual event in 14 years. What are the expectations for her this season, according to Shannon? Well, she's not here right now, so <laughs> I think first and Shannon, foremost, come on out. first and foremost is you got to stay healthy. I know we are in the twilight of of our careers as gymnasts at age twenty two years old. It's crazy, and it's just keeping them together. And so uh, let's just keep her healthy because she she has the experience. She's been on big stages before. She knows how to carry a team. Um, but we're deep this year, and she's not going to have to do that when her body's not letting her do that. So she's going to have to know when to say it's okay. I'm going to let someone else take it. Can she do that? Because she's a fiery competitor, right? Uh, she's learning how to do that. Okay. She's learning how to do that. That's good. Who else is in the mix to be leaders on this team? Uh, we have two great sophomores, Abby Miner. Abby Bowden got married over the summer. Her, her, her new name is Stainton to a British guy. Mm-hmm. So go Great Britain. Okay. But um, <laughs> uh, strong leaders, they're going to be in the all-around tonight. So kudos to them for working hard in the offseason to get that last event they needed and make a top six lineup. I think there were four Abbeys on the roster last year. I was hoping for like seven or eight this year. Yeah, just you run all Abbeys in one yep. rotation. Yeah, we just call them by their last name, so yeah. it just makes it a lot easier. Yes, as do I in that situation <laughs> as the broadcaster. Uh, by the way, tonight, live on BYU TV uh, and the BYU TV app, 7.30 Eastern, 4.30 Pacific, BYU and Nebraska. Uh, you're big on raising the bar for this BYU gymnastics team, and we've seen this consistent, steady rise since you've taken over as the head coach. So what's the next step for BYU gymnastics to, again, raise the bar? Uh, next step, what I want to see is, you know, we have great six players, but how good is number seven, number eight, number nine? And that's what I tell my team. You know, the mark of a good team are not your starters. The mark of a good team are those players that are right behind them. So at any given night, anyone can come in and you don't lose a single point off of that. And we're getting there. And, I, and, and we've had uh, a few injuries over the course of the preseason. And I've really been impressed with our younger players stepping it up. And they're going to see action tonight. And so you don't know what's quite going to happen under the lights. It's different than in the Smithfield House, a little gymnastics room that we have, room 149 there. But in terms of gymnastics, in terms of quality, and in terms of high score potential, it's definitely there. What's the key to developing that level of depth at BYU to where you feel comfortable going seven or eight? Um, we train all, all year round. And, you know, the NCAA gives, a, gives me 26 weeks where I can actually hold practice. And then outside of that, 
we can keep the gym open. And I'm fortunate enough to where I can be in the gym for safety reasons. We just don't want a gymnast in there flipping and having potential of some major injuries by themselves. So the fact that the coaching staff is bought in and we're there and the, co- and the gymnasts are showing up is giving those younger players time to develop. And now going on year five, that's starting to show up. Okay, so you answered my question about how you get the young ones to settle, and it it, uh, is largely based on year-round training. But what's this team with the youth implemented and Shannon Evans, some some experience, what's this team's best event right now? Bars. I'm the bar coach, so it's bars. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. That's pretty easy. What do your assistants have to say about that? (laughs) They're not here right now. Exactly. (laughs) Shannon's not here. Exactly. not here. (laughs) <laughs> All right, it's time to give you some BYU Sports Nation karma. Yeah, first yes, of the season, let's go. To begin tonight. this yeah. 2020 journey, uh, looking forward to a fantastic top 25 meet tonight, and we appreciate you coming in. And I expect some great gymnastics defense tonight. Yeah, let's get some beam fence. The beam fence needs to be strong. Be strong. Let's Bar go. fence and the beam fence. beam fence. Floor fence. What? I love it. Okay, thanks, Greg. Appreciate it. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Our boy Davide Gardini of BYU Men's Volleyball is back in Studio B. The sophomore sensation was outstanding in BYU's first two road wins in that Chicago road trip. Davide, welcome back to Studio B. Hello, Davide. Thank you, guys. How are you doing? We're great. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm ready to start a season at home. It's going to be good. <laughs> it's going to be good. How was uh, school this week, by the way? You're back in school. It was fine. You know, it's not great to start school again, but hey, you got to do it. <laughs> I got good classes this semester, so it's going to be That's fun. That's good. <laughs> now, when you flew back, I think you put on Instagram, you got stuck in Detroit or something? Oh, I did. I was in Amsterdam. Amsterdam. Yeah. I a little different there. than Detroit. Yeah, it was. I had a little few troubles like getting to America, but everything is fixed. I got here, so we're good. That's yeah, good. Yeah. No, That's you're good. here. You're definitely here because you're making a huge impact for BYU Thanks. volleyball. I mean, we're talking uh, 40 kills. You hit over 400. Why did you feel like you got off to such a great start individually this season? Uh, I mean, I feel like we put a lot of work in this, during this like preseason, and I just felt like we were so ready to play. Then when we actually were able to do it, we were just like so I'm like we were ready and so we just like we're off to a great start we were ready to play we just did what we we were planning to do and that was just easy everything came very easy for us that's like the great thing about it your offense was fantastic yet you get defensive player of the week because you or Gabi uh need to win the offensive player of the week right that's right (laughs) so you had 15 digs and eight blocks as well yeah what were you more proud of your defense or your offense i was proud of my defense for sure more blocking was like very good but i know that i i can be really good there defense is like one of my not so good spots so i just worked hard and i got a lot a lot of them so i'm I'm grateful (laughs) how did a relatively frustrating 2019 season shape this byu team for what's to come in 2020 I think it shaped us a lot. And uh, looking back to that season, I'm grateful because it was like a big chance for us to learn a lot of things, like uh, learn a lot of things about each other, about us, about the guys around us, about the coaches. It was just like a season of learning, I would say. And now this season is going to be a totally different season for us. So, And it's awesome because this team returns almost everybody. I lost Taylor Richards and yeah. Libero. Um, and it's the same group. So how's this group evolved since then? 
Yeah, we made like good strikes, like big changes during the preseason. And as I said, like the main thing is that we work very hard in every aspect, like from conditioning to lifting, uh, technically. It was just like a really hard working from the team. And we are just a unit, I would say. That's a big thing from this year. We got experience. We return a lot of guys. So we're just confident in each other and in the work that we put in. So. Davide Gardini with us on BYU Sports can, Station. Can we just say this? Is that the best name at BYU? It's got to be oh, top it just, three. It just sure. rolls off the tongue. Davide Gardini. Davide Gardini. Yeah, with like, a hand like that. With a hand like with that. Hand. I love it. I love your name. I love it. Okay. Thanks, guys. Uh, BYU. Don't tell Gabi and Felipe that. <laughs> right. I won't. You have I won't. the best name on the I volleyball won't. team. For sure. Okay. BYU ranked number three uh, in the media poll. Sorry, in the coaches poll, number two in the media I poll. I voted BYU two in the media because two road wins over ranked teams. How do you handle this type of early season hype? You know, uh, seeing ourselves in the third spot is cool, and we just don't want to think about it. But at the same time, like it puts some pressure on us, which is definitely good. It's what we need. So teams are going to fear us, and we know we're in a good spot, but we know we still got to work hard because those posts, like they matter until a certain point. And then for the rest, you just got to play and show that you are there for a reason. So that's what we want to prove. We want are to you prove sure you're a sophomore? He's, he's speaking you, like, and, a, a veteran, like a senior <laughs> leader right now. And your English was really good last year. It's even better. Oh, thanks, man. So, <laughs> I appreciate so it. Improvement. It's all getting better. That's working great. on it. It's awesome. Um, when, you, when you look at this season and what it means for this group, this is a group with some juniors and some seniors. Yeah. You were a freshman. It was the U.S. And last yeah. year, um, I, I guess you, you and some of your roommates are some of the main guys. How have you guys evolved as, as people, as a team? Yeah, we we did. We definitely did. And we're looking into this season as, you know, we compared to last year, we have a lot of seniors and juniors. So, you know, guys that last year, next year, they're going to be gone. So we we know that this is the year and we we improved. So that's all we could do during preseason. Now it's just time to play and do our best because that's all we can do now. (laughs) Still roommates with Gabi and Felipe? No, I'm just with Felipe and Kanai now. Okay. Gabby's Gabby engaged, right? He is. Yeah, he's engaged. Okay, yeah. So he's le- he's fleeing he the coup. He got the boot. Yeah, yeah. he did. You're out. <laughs> so you said Felipe and who else? Kanai. And Kanai. Yeah. He's also on the team. That's yeah. right. So so and how has that dynamic changed? You got a new guy in there. It's you good. make him do the dishes yeah. more? How does that work? I had to adapt to that because, you know, Kanai is American, like Hawaiian. So I just had to adapt. Gabby was like... Mm, a little different, but he's a cool guy. We're, we're having fun this year. <laughs> All right, Davide, uh, let's put your English to the test. Explain <laughs> playing in the Smithfield house in one word. <sighs> Can we do um, Italian and then English? <laughs> yeah, sure. What's yeah. the Italian word? Um, incredibile. Okay. Incredible? Yeah, that would be incredible. But if I have to use an American one, I would just use like fire. Like for me, like mm. what I feel inside when I play in the Smithfield house is like fire because. It just brings the best out of you, so it's great. I love it. <laughs> All right, we're filling the fire. Can't wait for tonight. Open up against Penn awesome, State. Yeah. Thanks yeah. for coming in on game day, Thank man. You for Let's me give you some karma. BYU Sports Nation karma. Thank you, guys. <laughs> Thanks. We're about to whip it. It's time for the Cougar Whip Around Men's Basketball. Without Yoli Childs, who didn't play, do a to a compound dislocated right pointer finger. BYU loses at St. Mary's 87-84 in overtime. Moral victory! TJ Haas led the Cougars with 29 points, including a game-tying dunk at the end of regulation. BYU now 1-8 in Moraga since joining the league, 0-3 in overtime this season. 
Cougars host Portland tomorrow night, 9.30 Eastern, as mentioned, on BYU TV, pregame on BYU Radio at 8.30. Cougars in the NFL. The NFL playoffs continue this weekend with four former Cougars, including Fred Warner and the San Francisco 49ers. They take on the Vikings. You like that? Jamal Williams and the Green Bay Packers face Jerem Seahawks and Ziggy Ansah, who is out with a neck injury. Daniel Sorensen, Andy Reid, and the Kansas City Chiefs take on the Houston Texans. Volleyball. Cougars are 2-0 with two ranked wins, ranked third in the country, home for the first time this season. Penn State in the Smithfield House tonight, 9 Eastern. The Cougars host Penn State tomorrow as well, 7 Eastern, both on BYU TV. In the next segment, we'll talk with freshman All-American Davide Gardini. Cougars in Pro Hoops. Jimmer Fredette scored a season-high 28 points, had three rebounds and two assists in a Panathinaikos 96-87 loss to Milano. Also in EuroLeague play, Elijah Bryant scored 19 points, grabbed eight rebounds, dished out four assists in a Maccabi Tel Aviv 95-89 win over Alba. Football. ESPN names college football and pro football Hall of Famer Steve Young the 87th best player in college football history. The top 25 of the 150 have yet to be released. Perhaps we'll see Ty Detmer and Jim McMahon on that list. Cougars in the PGA. (laughs) Ah, yes, on the beautiful island of Maui, Zach Blair tied for 62nd right now. The Sony Open scoring average right now is a 66. His first start in Maui in three years. It's good to have him back on the tour. He's currently ranked 51st in the FedEx Cup standings. Gymnastics. Cougars will participate in the inaugural Rio Tinto Best of Utah meet tomorrow night in the Maverick Center in West Valley with Utah, Utah State, and Southern Utah, the Flippin' Birds. Track and field. BYU currently hosting the BYU Indoor Invitational in the Smithfield House. Events will continue through Saturday. Brian Matthews in first place in the men's heptathlon with 831 points. This is going down against essentially the best of Utah in track and field. Athletics News. BYU Advancement Vice President Matt Richardson has been called as a mission president in Minneapolis, Minnesota. BYU plays at Minnesota this year. Beginning July 1st, Richardson has worked directly between President Kevin Worthen and Athletic Director Tom Homo for the past five years and is an integral part of the decision-making process of the athletic department as it pertains to BYU and the administration. So we will have a new Advancement Vice President. All right, yeah, an impactful thing happening. He also oversees broadcast, so that affects us here. That it does. The best of BYU Sports Nation. We'll be right back. Rise and shout for the trending topics of the week here on the best of BYU Sports Nation. Taysom Hill had the best day ever in the National Football League. And his team lost, which stinks, but still, Taysom Hill was the number one trending topic on Twitter worldwide. It was crazy. That's insane. That everybody was talking about Taysom Hill, but he did his thing, threw a 50 yard bomb. Then later on that drive, blocked for a running touchdown. Then later, we had a carry. He had an 11 yard carry on that drive. 11 yard carry before the 50 yard pass. Taysom Hill did it all and Everybody took notice. We'll tell you the best of the best tweets from national pundits later in the show. Everybody was tweeting. Taysom Hill hit his pinnacle yesterday in the NFL playoffs, which prompts this question, Jerem. Now that the season is over for the Saints rising star. Oh, the refs did him in again. With a pass interference situation, no (laughs) less. Should Taysom Hill pursue another situation in the NFL as a strictly quarterback or remain in New Orleans as 
the Swiss Army knife. Depends what he wants because we don't know. It d- depends entirely, in my opinion, on Drew Brees. If Drew Brees says, this is my last season, and I'm Taysom Hill, I'm like, okay, I want to stay because I could stay here. We have Michael Thomas. We have Alvin Kamara. We have a good team that's in the playoffs every year. We have Sean Payton. He knows how to use me effectively. I would stay. But if he wants to be a quarterback and he's anxious – and he wants to get out there, and there's going to be people that want to pay him to see because the idea of him is greater than what he's actually done as a quarterback at this point because we haven't seen a ton, then you go elsewhere. But here's the sitch. So he's a restricted free agent. He can't sign with just anybody. So basically, uh, the Saints will need to choose which tender option they want to use on him unless they're cool with him leaving, which they don't seem to be. I think they love him. I think they love him. They all, Yes. Right? So here are the four options. First-round tender, second-round tender, original-round tender, right of first refusal. I won't break down the nuances of each of those four, but here's the sitch. All of these options include another team attempting to offer him a contract and the Saints being able to match. I imagine the Saints will match. If I'm the Saints, I say, I say look, we're going to make you the backup. If anything happens, Drew, you're our guy. You know our guy. We love you. We're going to keep you here. The New Orleans Saints would be absolutely crazy to not match anything and make it obvious that Taysom Hill needs to stay there. After yesterday and after this whole season as a talk, it wasn't just yesterday. We've been, we've been doing this all season long. Taysom Hill can do it all. He can block punts. He's special teams awesome. He can punt return. He can punt cover. He catches touchdowns. He runs for touchdowns. He throws touchdowns. He can throw the long bump. Put him on defense. Let him kick. They would be crazy to let him go, which is why they won't. His jersey is like the number three most popular selling jersey of the New Orleans Saints. I'm sure that it might climb to number two after what happened yesterday. Which is gnarly because Michael Thomas just had the most catches in a season. Here's the deal. If another team offers Taysom like $12 million to come be the quarterback at another... $12 million's a lot for Taysom Hill to not play quarterback. Okay, That would be a ton. Is, is given- it if he's offering the value that we saw yesterday? That's not every game for him. That was one it of his could better. be, though, right? If they utilize he, him that much? Well, if they wanted to, they could use him more. Here's the thing. If Taysom Hill really is a quarterback and he's the backup, I'm not sure they're going to use him in the same way because then the risk is high of, okay, if Drew gets hurt and Taysom gets hurt, we're going to use him more. I think Taysom Hill has stayed healthy in the NFL because he's been used somewhat sparingly. It, he's not an every-down player. This has been to his benefit. And that's a credit to Sean Payton, which I think is the underlying theme here. Sean Payton makes a lot of players better. Do you not think that it is a perfect marriage that Taysom Hill was pulled in by Sean? Sean Payton's the one that found him from Green Bay and said, I want that guy. They went and signed him as an undrafted, unrestricted free agent from Green Bay after he got cut. Sean Payton, Drew Brees, Taysom Hill, they are a perfect marriage. The the coaching staff, Sean Payton, they deserve more credit. It's a perfect marriage. You have to choose to be a quarterback or you do this. You can't do both. Sure he can. He can be a quarterback later. Right. No, no, no. I'm talking in a season, you can't do both. You can't be the backup and do this, in my opinion. Jeremy, you just laid out the numbers. BYU with their season high in net rankings, which is the primary calculating tool for the NCAA Tournament Selection Committee at 31. 31! Really good, right? BYU, at this point, we have probably as high expectations as we ever had at any point during the offseason. Like when Yoli Childs came back, Jake Toulson's added on, Gavin Baxter was still healthy, we thought... Oh, yeah, they, this could be an NCAA tournament. No, we team. said they will be. Now yeah. everybody, even Bracket Matrix thinks BYU is going to be an NCAA tournament team. And Bracket Matrix is a tool. It, yes, he is. Quite literally. Is it a, I don't know the gender. 
Is it time, Jerem, that we raise expectations for BYU basketball once again? Yeah. Why wouldn't we? They are in, baby. Yes. So how, how high do I think they are? Yeah. I think BYU single-digit seed high. I said a couple weeks ago, I think this is single. BYU with the early child is a single-digit seed team. And I, I believe that. What evidence do we have that BYU is not? BYU has been kicking butt. Making threes? This has been so fun. The last four years, BYU has not made the NCAA tournament. It's not been fun. This is really fun. Great three-point shooting team. The defense is off the chain right now. Super exciting. Everything's great. Everything's great with BYU hoops. We're going to find out Thursday if BYU is really, really good or if they're you know pretty good. We're going to find out because this is the fourth toughest uh, game on the schedule up to this point, uh, according to Ken Palm. So this is a big challenge for BYU. Do your expectations include winning in Moraga right now? No. They climbed that high. No. Okay. But that's just one piece of the like 34-game puzzle. I think BYU could be a single-digit seed in the NCAA tournament. That's, to me, the how high they could go. All right. Uh, by the way, a new Associated Press poll is out. Shocker, Gonzaga still number one, even though they were challenged twice, and there are two opening West Coast Conference games. St. Mary's yeah. received three votes. BYU's right there. Uh, my expectations are... we got a vote. Sweet. In terms of wins, I'm still on par with what I projected BYU to do. 23 wins in the regular season, 8 losses in 31 games, 23-8. and eight. Now, here's how things have played out differently. I anticipated that BYU would beat Boise State and probably beat Utah instead of losing those games and lose at Houston and lose another game in Maui. But because that has happened, BYU's overall resume is better. The Boise State and Utah losses aren't looking as bad because Utah's those teams one. are okay. Utah's quad one. Sure. Boise State is quad two. Okay, not yeah. bad losses. For now. That's no Winthrop, that's for sure. Winthrop. And BYU has quality wins at Houston against Virginia Tech. Utah State neutral, those things have really helped. So expectations have been raised in terms of I expect BYU to win another big game or two than I probably would have anticipated earlier on. But Meaning St. Le- Zaga? Sure. But the league's better. there's no other big game. The league's better, so I still think that BYU will probably lose four conference games overall. It's, this is a better league than I anticipated overall from top to bottom. Yeah. Now it's time for us to have a retroactive review of BYU football in the 2019 season. Jason, what takes the cake as the surprise of the 2019 BYU football season? Okay, I, I went with two here, and I went one good, one bad. Okay. And I'll start with the good, and I went with the backup quarterback play. The play of BYU's backup quarterbacks was a very... Good surprise. There there was zero drop-off in quarterback play with Jaron Hall and Baylor Romney. And we've discussed before that you could argue the best half of football from the quarterback position was the first half at Utah State. The way Jaron Hall was playing in that game was brilliant. He was unbelievable. Look, Jaron's play was not shocking because we, we knew what his talent level was, and seeing him in spring, you kind of had an idea. Adding Baylor's stellar play made the backup quarterback uh, the storyline for me in the positive big surprise. On the other side of that, 
I went with the struggles of the kicking game. Okay. And now while it started out well, it was an issue as the season progressed and then obviously concluded. And, and, and I did not expect that. That surprised me that that was as big of an issue as it was. Oldroyd and Southam, I think, are much better kickers than they showed. And, and look at this. Between the 30 and 40-yard line, Oldroyd was 6 of 10, 60%. And between the 20 and 30-yard line, Southam was 1 of 3. Now, look, I would not be able to make these field goals. They're not gimmies for me. But from what we've seen from these, those are in the gimme range in terms of yardage. And so I was surprised that, that they struggled in that situation. And just overall, as the season progressed, that the kicking game just was, was not the weapon that we expected it to be. So those were, those were two surprises, one good, one bad. My biggest surprise of the season, Jason, two words for you, and it's a name, Baylor Romney. Yeah. Did anybody at any point no. going into the 2019 season think that Baylor Romney would have any type of significant impact on this BYU football team? No. And if you, other than the Romney family, put down your hands. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Nobody expected this guy to have a significant impact. And by significant, I mean, you could argue that Baylor Romney quarterbacked BYU's best win of the season. Boise State finished 12-2. and The Cougars were coming off back-to-back losses against Toledo and USF. They were on their third-string quarterback. Nobody gave BYU a shot outside of the team to beat Boise State, unbeaten at that time, ranked, nationally relevant. Baylor Romney was my biggest surprise of the season. I, and what a pleasant surprise. Him leading BYU to a win against Boise State. And I know that the win against USC was a surprise and beating Tennessee to some people was a surprise because of the Rocky Top revival and how it happened. But Jason, in the middle of the summer, I went on Bill Riley's radio show and he asked me, which of the Power Fives are BYU most likely to beat? And I said, Tennessee and USC. And he's like, whoa, USC, are you kidding me? Beating an SEC team on the road? It just felt that way to me. Okay, And look, BYU does that. Baylor Romney, however, beating Boise State, nobody expected that. Uh, The honorable mention for me, probably losing at USF. I was flabbergasted. When I was flying home on that plane from Tampa, I could not believe that BYU had lost to USF. So that, too, on the other side, was a huge, huge surprise. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Hear what the coaches, athletes, and experts have to say. Here's another great interview from the week on the best of BYU Sports Nation. We now welcome in the co-host of Sports Talk and New Orleans Saints and LSU pre- and post-game coverage on WWL in New Orleans, Christian Garrick on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Christian, nice to have you on BYU Sports Nation. Good to be on with you guys. Thank you very much. Um, how is uh, everybody in New Orleans handling things uh, with LSU competing for the national championship, but the Saints suffering another frustrating head-scratching loss and with a pass interference, no call, no less? Well, I think Saints fans, uh, you know, they're, they're adjusting. The expectation is really high for this franchise as set because of the Saints winning the Super Bowl in 2009. I think it's kind of Super Bowl or bust attitude and, Saints fans are, are frustrated because they feel like they've been cheated out of one Super Bowl last year, and they probably, on their own doing, should have had one in 2011, considering how good they were. So uh, Saints fans are left wondering the what-ifs and all this other stuff. But the bottom line is that 
the Vikings came in here and whipped them. That's the bottom line truth. And uh, the Saints didn't play well, and they're out of the postseason. It was a bummer for the BYU fans who have watched the Saints this year because of Taysom Hill and what a season he had, what a game he had on Saturday. Uh, How would you assess what Taysom Hill means to the Saints and the reception of the fans towards him? They love him. I mean, he's got they got a T-shirt, a bootleg T-shirt circulating down here that has a picture of a Swiss Army knife and the word "joke," Jack of all trades. Yes, inscribed <laughs> on it. Um, and they, I mean, they they buy his jerseys. He's a football player. They love him. And look, the the team loves him. You can see when he comes in on special packages and makes a play. It kind of just energizes. It did on Sunday when he was brought in to throw that fifty-yard pass to. Um, to Devontae Harris, and also later in the game when he ripped off a couple of big runs. I mean, he just energizes the team, and he energizes that stadium. I happen to I happen to love him as a football player. How, how could you not? I don't care if he plays. He'll play in this league for 10, 12, 13 years. I don't know that it's always going to be quarterback, but he'll have a role in this league for the next decade or so. Let's talk about his future, specifically with the New Orleans Saints. Taysom Hill is a restricted free agent this offseason. Is there any way... New Orleans lets him go this offseason. Not a chance. Not one chance. Look, I think that there's a conversation that needs to be had. Is Do you even tender him or you just sign him to an extension? Because they could tender him, and if they do tender him as an RFA, I would expect him to be at the first-round compensation level, which will be about $4.6 million. The hard part is here is you've got Drew Brees that's scheduled to become a free agent, Teddy Bridgewater that's scheduled to become an unrestricted free agent, and Taysom Hill is going to be a restricted free agent. Now, I think Drew Brees is back with the Saints. I think Teddy Bridgewater created a market for himself, and that he's going to get paid on the open market. But Taysom Hill, I expect to at least get a first-round compensation level package, or, or tender, I should say, or perhaps even signing an extension. Um, either one I would be fine with. I think that um, you know he's certainly worth $4.6 million because of his ability to play on special teams, his ability to play on offense, having special packages. I mean, he runs routes. He makes tackles. He runs the football. I, I think that if you wanted him to, he could probably play safety if he wanted to. He <laughs> Seriously. Tight end. Yeah. He was the lead blocker on Alvin Kamara's uh, touchdown run in the game. I mean, the guy, he literally is a jack-of-all-trades and I think tr- presents tremendous value to that team. Christian, in high school, he kicked. And at BYU, in practice... Uh, he made a 60-yarder. I'm not even kidding. So you need to somehow get him kicking in the game as well. But I do want to ask this. Does this mean you think – do you think Teddy Bridgewater is going to sign a contract and leave? And then does Taysom Hill become the backup next year? I think that would be the case. I, I really do. Uh, I think – look, Teddy Bridgewater will forever be loved in this city because of what he did for the five games that he was in for Drew Brees. And, look, I think it was the right thing to play Teddy Bridgewater because – Taysom Hill, let's face it, as a quarterback, still has some things to clean up, right? Um, so I think Teddy Bridgewater is the more polished quarterback, and I think he's going to leave in free agency. He's going to have a market. The Saints aren't going to be able to compete with that along with signing Drew Brees to a, to a contract this offseason. So I think Teddy Bridgewater is going to be uh, off and running in free agency, and Taysom Hill will be the backup to, to Drew Brees next season. Now, if Taysom Hill is the backup, how would that then affect what he does for New Orleans? Because he is a jack-of-all-trades. So would they then feel compelled to scale him back? No, I think what they would try to do is find a veteran quarterback um, that, you know, that, that comes in fairly cheap, that in case Taysom Hill were the, the listed backup, right, 
uh, and he got injured in a play, you would still have a backup. I don't think it would be they would limit him. I don't think you would want to limit him in what the impact he could have on a game. He literally, I think, he was the entire offense for the Saints on Sunday when he rushed for rushed for over fifty yards, threw for over fifty yards, had a, had a receiving day of over fifty yards. I mean, you know, he 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 did it all. It felt like it. Yeah, yeah. No. he was he, he was their spark. He was he was. Um, I mean, I, look, I, I don't question Sean Payton's play calling very much, but man, I, I shudder to think about throwing the ball in which which Drew ended up fumbling that play. I wonder I wonder if Taysom Hill ultimately could have ran the ball one more time to give you a little bit more of a spark. I think that he was so hot that I wondered why they didn't just keep feeding him. Yeah, it's an interesting conversation, too, long-term, because we were discussing yesterday the future of Taysom Hill, and, and I mentioned I think it depends on what Drew Brees does, right? And you mentioned it, he's a free agent, anticipated to come back, and who knows how long he's going to play, but Taysom Hill long-term wants to be a quarterback. This has been awesome in the meantime, um, but how do you see this playing out in the next couple of years? Is Taysom Hill the heir apparent, whether that's a year or two or three down the road at quarterback? I don't know that I'm up here ready to say he is the heir apparent. Well, let me, let me, let me back up. I think he's the heir apparent, but like, in other words, when you say heir apparent, does that mean like he's the second coming? No, I don't know that yet, but I think he is the future uh, heir apparent to uh, Drew Brees, but I think that's probably a year or two down the line. Christian Garrick, co-host of Sports Talk, New Orleans Saints insider with us on BYU Sports Nation. If you had to put a number on how long Drew Brees will play and be the starting quarterback in New Orleans, what would it be? Man, I can never put a cap on him. <laughs> He's beaten all the odds, right? You know, if I say two years, he'll play for five, right? <laughs> um, yeah. I, I, I think ultimately – he won't say this publicly, but I think as long as Tom Brady is nipping at his heels for all these records, if he's playing, Drew's going to play. I, I guess that's the best way I can answer it. But I, I think realistically, you know, down here, people were melting down, living in the prisoner of the moment, saying it's time to move on from Drew Brees and all this other nonsense after the loss to the Vikings. I think he didn't look old this year. I think he still looks like he can play the game. I think he looked. He, I know he's a guy that wants to keep playing the game. Uh, I think realistically, two to three years. I know what he means to Taysom Hill. Let's uh, finish with this, Christian. If be, if before Taysom Hill got to New Orleans, how much did you know about him? Did you know anything Zero. about his BYU backdrop? Zero. I had never heard of him. I mean, honestly, when they when they signed him at the end of roster pairings uh, three years ago. I was like, okay, they, they got this athletic quarterback. I went to YouTube and looked up a couple of things, right, watched some highlights. And I was like, all right, great. You know, he'll be around on the practice squad. Yeah. Okay, cool. That's that's literally how I felt. All right, he'll be around. They'll try to develop him, and he'll be – I literally said, eh, he'll be on the practice squad for a couple of years, and then we'll see what happens after that. Nowhere in my wildest dreams or my imagination did I envision this kind of impact that he's had here in New Orleans. I'm telling you, the fan base loves the guy. They love him. And now his jersey's flying off the shelf uh, to boot. Hey, Christian, great stuff, man. We appreciate the time and uh, hope you enjoy the LSU coverage as they compete in the national championship. That's the, uh, it's like uh, Princess Leia when he, she says, help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi, you're my only hope. Well, yeah. that's what LSU is. There, there, are, there are only hope right now. Yes. In New Orleans. And that's going to be amazing. Joe is the yeah. only hope for the Cincinnati Bengals, if we're being <laughs> honest. Yeah, well, look, I know you guys got to run, but, 
man, I, the last place I want to see him go is Cincinnati. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair, man. That's totally fair. Christian, great to talk to you, man. Thanks so much for the time. All right. Thank you. Bye-bye. Christian Garrick on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, you know why we show how. As Ed Orgeron would say, Go Tigers, Joe Burrow. Go Bengals. (laughs) The Bengals stink. We'll be right back with more of the best of BYU Sports Nation. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. We are debuting a new segment today. We call it Dope or Nope. Ben Bagley, join us for this amazing moment in BYU Sports Nation history, won't you? You got it. I'm going to ask you a question. You say dope or nope. Okay. Explain your situation. First off, dope or nope, the TJ Haas dunk train. Uh, Dope. Uh, Balding redhead dunking on fools. Dope. Need I say more? He's the Ginger Mamba. We love it. He sent BYU into overtime in Moraga with a dirty crossover and then dunked. He's also dunked on Weber State. TJ Haas, I'm all about the dunk train. Yes, this he's is dunking dope. on black haired and, and blonde and brunette people of all kinds. Oh, I just love that it was against Tommy Cousy as well. Oh, oh yeah, Tommy, yes. Tommy Cousy. Yes. You ain't no Bob Cousy. That's dope. That's, that's a double dope from us. Of course. Yeah. Oz dunked on Koozie. That's all you need to say. Yeah, but not Bill Russell. All right, second one. Dope or nope, BYU being represented in three of the four NFL playoff games this weekend. Dope. Yeah, this is great. This means that uh, BYU is getting somebody into the Super Bowl, right? And maybe head-to-head. I hope nice. that it's a head-to-head situation. Yes. How could this be nope? It's fantastic. You know what's crazy? And I said this to Jason Shepard earlier this week. That Kyle Van Noy and Taysom Hill are Aren't, not. Yeah. They're not involved in this. Right. BYU still has three guys in with those two guys losing really That's awesome. sh- shockingly. That's yeah, great. This That's is great. fantastic. Why didn't BYU win, beat Utah, or win 10 plus games with these guys? Come on! Nope on that one. That is nope. Yeah. Yeah, definitely not dope. Next. You mentioned Taysom Hills or dope or nope. A NFL GM speculating to ESPN.com that Taysom Hill will be the New Orleans Saints starting quarterback next season. Nope. Drew Brees will be the starting quarterback. This is a nope for me. Yeah, the idea of it is, oh, yeah, it's dope. No, no, no. Even with blue goggles on, I like Taysom Hill in his current role behind Drew Brees. Hold on, let me look through. Whoa, yeah, whoa, I, whoa, 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 the same Blue goggle alert. Blue goggle alert. With Taysom Hill, but Drew Brees is still the starting but quarterback. Not in 2020. No. No. Yeah, I, it's lower. I, the idea is fun, but I'm, I'm out on this one. Hey, homie, Taysom Hill, has thrown what? 13 passes in the NFL? You don't make the guy the starter for that? Oh, let him be the backup it's, for yes, a season. Yes. Get one season, and then maybe it's time if Drew Brees retires. Let him be the backup. Also, if New Orleans lets Drew Brees go, what are they doing? No, that's not going to happen. Next. Nope. Dope or nope, Ty Detmer and Jim McMahon not making the ESPN top 150 through 26. Dope, because they'll be in the top 25. You think? Yes. Ty Detmer undoubtedly will be. I think Jim McMahon is probably in. Ty Detmer led uh, the NCAA for a long time with 15,000 passing yards and 121 touchdowns. The Heisman winner, last Heisman from a non-Power 5. He will be in the top 25. I think that Jim McMahon could as well. 
But if he's not, I'm surprised that we didn't see Jim McMahon somewhere else. I'm with you. Jim McMahon should be there because at one yes. point he had broken 71 NCAA records. First 4,000-yard passer in NCAA. 71. And you know what's amazing about that? Ty Detmer broke most of those Jim McMahon records. Yeah. Detmer was Crazy. holding 59 NCAA records. They should both be in the top 25. If they're not, there are going to be some real storm. issues. Bristol. Then it's a nope. Then it's a nope to Bristol collectively. But right now, we think it's dope because I'm with you. I think they'll both yeah. be in the top 25. Yeah, I'm glad they aren't in it because they deserve to be in the top 25. Steve Young, 87. All right, Ben. All right, last one, guys. Dope or nope. Brandon Davies, Elijah Bryant, and Jimmer Fredette playing in three of the top seven EuroLeague teams as of right now. Listen, it's cool, but I'm not going dope. Dope is like, this is awesome, right? These guys aren't in the NBA. I wish BYU had somebody in the NBA, right? At least a couple of these guys. They're really good. They're making the best of their situation. Yes. This is cool, but it's a nope for me. Yeah, because they're making the best of the situation, I'll, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, it's dope. It's cool. It's great. BYU's got some guys, but it does hurt that right. they're not in the NBA, right? Right. It's hard to brag as a program. Hey, we got a dude in. in like, this is, no, this is certainly a really great thing for BYU basketball, but it's not Dope. Yeah, it's a cool situation that Jimmer's playing for Rick Patino, and he just put up 28 points. And Brandon Davies is playing on the top Euro League team, and yes. he's an integral part of that team. And you could argue Real Madrid could hang in the NBA. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Could they, they have some former NBA guys? Could Could Real Madrid compete with the New York Knicks? Yes. <laughs> yeah. yes. Could the Tempview High School? No. no, you're right. No, no. But Real Madrid could hang for sure. And Eli Brandt's on the number four team. It's, That's it's great. Cool, That's but cool. it's yeah, it's not like. Oh, it's amazing! Right, and that's what dope is. Come on. Join the conversation 24-7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook using the hashtag BYUSN. The best of BYU Sports Nation rolls on after this. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. The man who will call the game, Roxy Bernstein, joins us now on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Roxy, welcome back to the show. Fellas, good morning. Always my pleasure to be with you. It is a good morning, my friend, and it's been too long. ESPN's Basketball Power Index gives BYU a 32.5% chance to win in Moraga tonight. The Cougars are 1-7 there since joining the West Coast Conference. Where would you put the win percentage chance for BYU tonight? So you're saying there's a chance. Okay, yes. <laughs> I think they got a chance, sure. This is, a, this is going to be a really good game tonight. And from two angles, right, from St. Mary's, how do they respond? How do they come back from that just frustrating, exhausting loss they had in Stockton against Pacific? On Saturday night, the four-overtime marathon, Jordan Ford played 58 of the 60 minutes, uh, and somehow give credit to Damon Stoudemire and his pesky Pacific Tigers. They were able to stun uh, St. Mary's and come away with the win, so you know you're going to get a frustrated, angry St. Mary's team. And, and on the other side, for BYU, the Cougars are coming off you know, one of their best defensive performances probably in years, wouldn't you guys say? That you, know, you hold LMU to 38 points in your conference opener. Uh, that was a tremendous showing, but we've seen that from Mark Pope and the BYU Cougars this year. It's a different addition. It's not, you know, the up-and-down style. And, look, Dave Rose's BYU Cougars were probably, if not the most entertaining 
watching college basketball, one of them, right? Well, it's a different kind of style now. Yes, they can score, but there's a lot more of a defensive, I think, mindset and a focus with this group, which, as you guys know, okay, your offense may not travel, but your defense always will, and that's yeah. why I think that BYU can have a chance tonight. Yeah, the adjusted defensive efficiency from Ken Palm, BYU 59th, that's been a good number. A couple years ago, two years ago, it was 54, but besides that, BYU was never really in the top 60, uh, so that is definitely an improvement. Yet, if you look at the offenses for both these teams, both top 10 in uh, three-point shooting, top 20 in adjusted offense, do you expect a good offensive game tonight? It's interesting because, you know, Jeremy, they're always measured, right? St. Mary's, I know they try this hashtag run SMC, but they really don't run. And <laughs> it's a half-court half attack. It's a lot of pick and roll, ball screens, spacing the floor, and they're going to rely heavily on Ford and Malik Fitz. Um, and the interesting adjustment that they've made also is the injury to Matthias Toss who was lost for the year in one of their final non-conference games. He, he tore his ACL against Nevada in a game right before Christmas at Chase Center. And they're still trying to figure out how this team will evolve and move forward without him. They've tried different things. I don't know if they've worked so far. They've tried starting Dan Foto there. They've tried to go big with Aaron Menzies, the seven foot three grad transfer from Seattle U. I think Randy Bennett is still tinkering with his team and trying to figure some things out which maybe he tries to do something different tonight because it's BYU and saving it for a big game, we'll see. But it's St. Mary's has been an evolving team also because of what they've been dealing with. Roxy Bernstein of ESPN with us on BYU Sports Nation. He'll call the Cougars and Gales tonight for ESPN. Roxy, having had conversations with St. Mary's and uh, talked to Randy Bennett and his staff, what's the feeling around St. Mary's basketball, given that unexpected and just gut punch of a four overtime loss at Pacific. Well, it's a team that's been dealing with expectations, right? All of a sudden you burst into the national scene by upending Gonzaga, winning the WCC tournament championship last year, getting the automatic bid for the conference. And all of a sudden you're an upstart program. And this year, the targets on your back a little bit because you are the defending conference tournament champions. So yes, that's what Gonzaga deals with on a nightly basis. But now this is, I think, an adjustment for this group because they really haven't had to deal with this. And knowing that on a nightly basis you're going to get the opponent's best shot. And, and Pacific did that. And, and so and for St. Mary's, it's been an adjustment period this year, but I think one they can handle. And I think that having an extra few days helps them turn the page. If this was a Thursday-Saturday turnaround, I think it would be a lot of trouble for them. But because they have Thursday and, or Saturday until Thursday turnaround, I think it helps them immensely trying to recharge the batteries for the game tonight. This certainly is a big game in terms of uh, conference standings, seeding in the NCAA tournament for potentially St. Mary's and BYU as well. What kind of impact do you think this game has on all of that when all is said and done on Selection oh. Sunday? I think it's going to have a huge impact because these are two teams that if they don't win the WCC, that they will be considered among the at-large pool with opportunity to get into the field because of what they've accomplished so far. And it also helps, I think, both programs, guys. The league is better, right? From top to bottom, I think there is 
uh, a stronger West Coast Conference this year. When you look at oh, Santa Clara has played pretty well, and Pacific, I think, has opened up a lot of eyes and, and what Damon Stoudemire's team has done. I don't think many people expected Portland the other night to beat San Francisco, and USF, we all think, is you know a, a pretty decent program. Pepperdine has shown flashes. So is San Diego. So I think it also helps, yes, these teams accomplished a great deal in the non-conference. For example, BYU's win against Houston I think will go a long way. Uh, St. Mary's having beaten Wisconsin and beating Utah State and smashing Arizona State. So these two programs help themselves out quite a bit in the non-conference, but they need the rest of the league to help them, and I think this year the rest of the West Coast Conference has helped the top three teams in the league. All right, call your shot in early January. Is the West Coast Conference a three-bid league when we get to mid-March? Roll the tape. Yes, it is, boys. This is a three-bid league in the NCAA tournament. When you look at the top three programs, Gonzaga, St. Mary's, BYU, I I believe all three will be dancing because I I think that the quality of basketball, not just in the West Coast Conference, but out West, when you look at the Pac-12 this year, that I think the leagues out West are better than they've been recently. And I do believe we've seen it before, and I do believe we'll see it again this year, the West Coast Conference, a three-bid lead. How many losses will the champ have in the regular season here? What do you think? Ooh, the, the regular season yeah. at – I don't know if anybody's going to beat Gonzaga. Oh. You, think they'll, I, I you think they'll win out again? I, I think they can. Um, it wouldn't – look, put it this way. If they went into Provo and lost at the Marriott Center, it wouldn't shock me. If they went into Moraga – and I know they want me to call it University Credit Union Pavilion, whatever. It's the and Pavilion, right? <laughs> Come on. It is what it is. But that, I think those are the, really the only two places they could stumble and lose. And, look, I don't think many people expected Eric Meek and BYU a few years ago to go into the kennel and win. So I wouldn't put it past these programs. But the stumbling blocks to me would be Gonzaga on the road at either St. Mary's or BYU. Roxy, which team needs a win tonight most for conference context and for resume context? I think it's St. Mary's uh, because from BYU's perspective, right, you're on the road, and it's, there's not as much pressure to win on the road. But if you're at home, this is a game you've got to get, and you can't slip up, especially coming off the loss that St. Mary's had against Pacific on Saturday night. Now, granted, it was a road loss, but it was a loss. So I, I think there's more pressure on St. Mary's to win this game. There's more of a, I think, a must-win, even though I don't think it's a must-win. But I, I think that St. Mary's needs this game more than BYU does tonight. Who's the best player in the league right now, in your opinion? Who is the best player in the league? Boy, that's tough. Because I just I love watching Jordan Ford for St. Mary's. And Malik Fitz is playing great. But then you watch BYU, and, and Haas is so fun to watch. And Yoli is such a terrific player, and the emergence certainly of Petrushev at Gonzaga and Kispert. Are you really going to make me pick? <laughs> Are you? This is why we it, ask the difficult questions. It, it sounds like you don't want to, but you, it's you January know, you 9th. Know me. You know I, I like to hem and haw, and I don't like to get people mad at me. <laughs> yeah, I am a flip-flopper. I am a waffler. You know that about are, me. Are we going to have a co-player of the year then in March? So I just named six. Okay. <laughs> it can't be that many. Come on. Um, I think it comes down to, I mean, more times than not, right, it's more of a most valuable player award. And I would give the edge to Petrushev just because I think Gonzaga will win the league. But, again, if, if they win it, and it wouldn't shock me if Yoli ended up winning it or if Jordan Ford ended up winning it, even if Gonzaga still won the league. 
ESPN play-by-play man Roxy Bernstein with us on BYU Sports Nation. We have to ask you at least one hockey question because you're a hockey insider, right? Dude, my team stinks. Is, so, yeah, is, is this the <laughs> oh year that gosh. San Jose and the Sharks, they turn it around and miraculously win the cup? <sighs> well, let's, look, the St. Louis Blues, January 3rd last year, were the worst team in the league, right? Yeah. And they made this miraculous run and they win the cup for the first time in the history of the franchise. I don't anticipate that happening again <laughs> to my San Jose Sharks. Now, especially with a captain down for about six weeks, it looks like Logan Couture has a fracture in his ankle. Not a good sign. So I was so optimistic heading into this year with my team. But I just, I just don't feel it. And they just have not looked good all year. The goaltending's been lousy. Hey, I'm sorry I had to bring it up, Roxy. I, 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 I'm sorry to bring it down, man. You got me in such a bad mood with such a great game tonight. <laughs> but you know what? It'll cheer me up. I'm going to the dentist right now before I go to yes! BYU shoot-around. So. What an amazing day. It goes wow. from bad to worse, I guess. It's a, it's a later tip. You'll be fine. Yeah. Let's, <laughs> let's give you some BYU Sports Nation karma for the dentist. And, uh, I need some. We look forward to your call on ESPN2. Thanks, man. Thanks, guys. Always a pleasure. Roxy Bernstein on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, you know why we show how. He lives in the Bay Area, so going to the dentist, he's not like on the road the somewhere game. else, just going to yes. the random dentist. Yes. <laughs> that would be, oh yeah, I'm calling the uh, San Diego game, I just found a dentist down gotta, here. Gotta uh, get a root canal and then go cut a game. I don't think he's in my network, but uh, whatever. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Former BYU wide receiver, and I say former because he just wrapped up his career as a senior, Talon Shumway, yes, it's complete. But many of you may not know, he was an outstanding basketball player at Lone Peak. He was, in fact, part of that number one ranked Lone Peak basketball team that featured TJ Haas, Eric Mika, and Nick Emery. In fact, BYU Hoops assistant Quincy Lewis was part of Talon's high school career as well. We know what he chose, football. The question is, why? That's all part of Deep Blue, presented by Tim Daly Nissan, serving Utah since 1968. Growing up, my family, we endured a lot of abuse, a lot of hard times. When I was about 14, my parents finally got divorced, and that was like the first time in my life that I felt I could really breathe. We had lost our home, and there were th- some things in the home, and I only had a certain amount of time to get it cleaned up and to get the things out. And I didn't have, I didn't have enough time. It was in the middle of the winter, and his mom came marching in, in the middle of one of our practices. And I had a lot of respect for her. I knew they were going through some tough things. And she says, "I need my boys now." Coach Lewis just said, "Go," and the boys just ran out with me. And so, what do you say to a mama bear like that? You say, for sure, I-, I gave her her boys right then. And they came and they helped me get the last-minute things out of our home. Talon did have a lot of things that kids shouldn't have to worry about. They shouldn't have to worry about if there's food. They shouldn't have to worry about when the lights are turned off. You know, my kids didn't think, oh, it's because there's a power outage. The first thing they thought was the bill hadn't been paid. His dad took the car away, took the phones away. We had nothing. All we had was our family, and we had the gospel. And I 
and we were happy. When that whole thing was over, those were some of the best years of my life. I never had a shortage of love. I had the greatest mother in the world, the greatest siblings in the world, and I had the greatest grandparents in the world. And there were other people who were always there, people that cared about us, cared about me. Sometimes in life you learn from other people's experiences, and I think the path that his dad chose really helped him see the type of family he wants in his future and the kind of husband and father that he wants to be. To hear that I had an impact on Talon's life through his middle school and high school years, that's, you know, that, that is humbling, but it's really, it's the most important thing, you know, really, because as a coach, winning the state championships and winning games and all those kind of things, those, those things are fun, but the things that really are important is things like this come back to you, the, the life lessons that are learned, or maybe you could help help somebody along the way that really needed it. But Talon, he's a great kid. I may have learned more from him than he learned from me. Those are probably the first times in my life that I'd had real one-on-one conversations with a man. He always just expressed to me his expectations and how he felt about what I was doing. Really just what you'd expect from a father. I grew up playing two sports, football and basketball. You know, we saw a lot of success in high school. Uh, won, won a few state championships, we won a national championship, and we had a lot of fun playing together. I don't think the success we had, we wouldn't have had it without Talon. His defensive presence was, was unbelievable. I remember in practice, I never liked going up against him because he was so physical and he moved his feet so well. He would throw the football in the front yard, and then he would run to the other side and catch his own football. He played catch with himself. <laughs> He did have friends. (laughs) We tried really hard to get him to come play basketball here at BYU. Obviously, he chose football. That was something he wanted to do, but I think he could have been very successful if he would have chose basketball. I realized that I had such a good experience in high school, and there was no way that I was going to beat that, and I wanted that in football. And football was the sport I was most passionate about. Pulls it away from Tyson. Down and in. Touchdown! Cougars score in OT! Talon's a great athlete, you know, and, and, and I think he's one of those guys that doesn't, he doesn't say much, but probably the most reliable person you can count on to do his job right. Definitely the most respected uh, player in our room in the receiver unit. On the field, he'll do the little things that a lot of people don't recognize, but coaches and teammates recognize the things that he does. As a coach, you know, you naturally gravitate towards those types of players because you can always use them as a, as a model on, on how to do things right, and I think that's what Talon's been for me. I've heard from so many different players about his example, what he, how he carries himself, the confidence that he gives to others. That's a unique way of leadership and unique way of utilizing his strengths, and he's an exceptional person. goes without saying that we will all miss Talon Shumway at BYU. Man, what a story he leaves. Yeah, that uh, that story is is unbelievable. Um, wow. It just goes to show you that you never quite know what people are going through. And to be able to see somebody like that persevere um, through some hardships, it makes you respect him even more. Yeah. Be kind to people, right? Yes. Be there you go. people. Yeah. 
It is time to play Buy, Sell, or Hold, presented by Delta Airlines. Keep climbing. All right. Jerem, let's bring in Ben Bagley to do this. Buy, sell, or hold. Let's start here, guys. Buy, sell, or hold. The BYU offensive line is the best position group right now for BYU football. I go hold, which is something that they do sometimes. Uh, The linebackers are in the mix to me because BYU returns. A lot of these guys had 10 picks. By the way, the 15 as a team uh, was top 15 nationally. I would argue that the linebackers are pretty good. Ooh, okay. Uh, Yeah, I'm going to buy this. Uh, BYU played three quarterbacks this year and did some nice things against some really stiff competition. And uh, the offensive line, I thought, did a really nice overall job. They're all back. So I'm, I'm actually buying this right now, that the offensive line is the best overall position group for BYU football. And if it's buy, sell, or hold in terms of stocks, I don't think BYU would go higher than this. So I would Okay. Number two. Buy, sell, or hold. You guys kind of got into this before, but buy, sell, or hold. The nine seed is the best possible seed BYU can get in the NCAA tournament. I would, uh, I would sell it, meaning, or I would buy it, thinking they could go higher. I think no, no, BYU no, you could sell. Go. You sell. That's I, right. I would sell. Yeah, I would sell. I think that BYU is going to land around nine, eight to ten. I think is where BYU is going to land. Um. Yeah, I'm going to sell this. Uh, because the nine seed is not the best possible seed the BYU could get in the NCAA tournament. Now, will it be? That's a different question. But could BYU has opportunities to improve this seeding line? But not a lot of them. But as, as I said earlier, I'm just more concerned with BYU getting into the NCAA tournament and ending the drought. Just get in. Get in. And to me, that will feel like the needed improvement and a success for BYU basketball this season. They're still going to have to do some work to get in. Sure. Yeah. Number three. Buy, sell, or hold a former BYU football player hoisting the Lombardi Trophy for the third time in four years. Buy. Uh, Fred Warner and Daniel Sorensen have a shot at uh, doing this with the 49ers. Not Ziggy Ansah? No. Seahawks are not going to the Super Bowl. They're they are not. There's, right. there's no way. They can't run the ball. You can't make the Super Bowl if you can't run the ball. Yeah, I'm buying this because there is an argument that the Chiefs and the 49ers are uh, going to play for a Super Bowl championship. I would love that because then a BYU player is guaranteed to hoist the Lombardi Trophy. I'm, I'm buying this because of the seedings of where these BYU players are in the NFL playoffs. Next. Last one. Buy, sell, or hold Eric Mika making an NBA roster in the next month. Buy. I, I don't think he would leave China if this wasn't a likely possibility and probably already had a conversation between the Kings and Eric. Otherwise, why would he leave China after like a month? Yeah, right now I'm going to hold because I'm not sure on the specific dates of when the 10-day contract has to go in play. Like Eric Mika, I think, will play in the NBA at some point and he'll get his 10-day contract, but could that be in February? Could what, it be what in March? Sure. Oh, oh, so it's in the month? next month. Oh, this month. I, got, I, I think he I left know. because it is this month. Yeah, I'm sure they guaranteed it to him, but I, I don't know how I don't know that they guaranteed it to him. How, it would have been the, How quickly the turnaround is there. So I'm, I'm holding for now because it could be February or March. All right, that's buy, sell, or hold. That wraps up the best of BYU Sports Nation this week. Tune in next Saturday for the Cougar news you need to hear. And catch the BYU Sports Nation simulcast every day at noon Eastern, 9 Pacific on BYU TV 
and BYU Radio.